What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast. We're doing something uh, a little bit new. We're doing a mini episode discussing one topic. The topic has been brought up by a lot of people in the community, and it's one that we all have to face. Uh, And that topic is price versus value. You know, there's always going to be someone who's willing to do the work for less, but that doesn't mean uh, they can beat you on the level of value and quality that you can bring to the table. Um, So with that being said, today is a mini hyper-focused episode discussing how you can better sell yourself on value over just another price. Um, And this is especially important when the market is a little bit shaky and everybody seems to be price pinching. Um, Our guest today is TJ Snowden. He's one of my favorite people. I love this man. He's the owner of Snowden Construction. He's had a lot of experience working with clients, developers, and running both small and large crews on residential and commercial jobs. Uh, Let's just say he's navigated this topic for several years now. Um, So TJ, thanks for joining us on this episode for a, I I guess I should say a mini episode. I appreciate it, guys. I uh, think this might be difficult. We all talk so much and get carried away. So let's see if we can uh, make it. We're going to try to smash through this and be like hyper-focused for everybody. Breck has limited my words today. (laughs) (laughs) You get four. Uh, guys, let's hop into it. Matt, take it away. TJ, to kick this off, the market is rocky right now. We have these recession talks going on. How can you communicate to your client that your value is there without being the lowest price? Oftentimes people think like, let's just cut thousands off. How can you do that? It's basically, it starts with knowing your value. You really have to know your value. If you are a guy working out of his truck, contractor, that puts the belt on, does the estimates and everything, you're going to be able to operate at a bit of a cheaper cost than a guy with a full-on setup with project managers and offices and things like that. But with that um, switch comes, you've got to take something away for that, right? So a project is going to be better managed with a full office team for these larger scale products, projects. If you're using full-on spec binders and it's a full house architects designers all that involved um you're better off going with the other route and you might save money in the end so you basically gotta calculate it and know your values um this frankly is going to cost you more to run a bigger company it goes without saying so i want to i want to dig into there a little bit tj let's say two scenarios or let's start with one i'm a less established shop um, I don't have all of this, you know, the bells and whistles built out for me. Um, but, you know, obviously your price might be a little bit lower. But even in those situations where it's like, well, these guys are a little bit more established. You don't maybe have your referral engine and all of this kind of ammunition to prop yourself up. If you were like newer or, or getting started or like, you know, everybody's price pitching, how would you go about establishing yourself in the market? when you don't have all of this ammunition behind you? Like what are the the smallest things that you can do to communicate your value? It's obviously, first and foremost, it's good work. And everyone can say that, but that's the truth and that's the fact. And be on time, always, always on time. Um, and communication is massive. If the client calls you, what are your way to drop everything you're doing and grab it? 
you don't have to be answering the phone uh, Sunday afternoon or anything like that, but even shoot a text back. Um, worst case scenario, the busiest I get, I still try to, at the end of every day, regardless what time it is, if it's 10, 11 o'clock at night, that's how I work. I sit down and go through every email from that day and make sure I've responded before the end of that day. You want your client to know that you're attentive and that you care about the project, right? And that goes a long way. I'm, I'm curious, what are a few things for, for me being clean on the job site and leaving a nice clean slate where people can come in on the weekends and enjoy what they're saying? I'm in framing. So me leaving a clean job site is my way of upping my value and showing that we care a little bit more than just leaving a trash site. What, what are some other things? Like, is it branding? I'm seeing that you're decked out and, and geared here. What, what would you do from the start? Is it branding? And I, I hear a lot of people talk about, I'm a small business. You have to support small businesses. Yeah. I've always had the mentality that when you do anything, you should always want to be the best. Get your branding on point, take care of yourself, but treat it like a big business and it'll grow. What do you think? I agree. And you also got to know your market too, right? Because, um, I do like my branding. I, I spend a majority of my marketing budget on my gear for my guys. I buy nice sweatshirts, nice hats. I get them logoed out. And that is, I would say 95% of my marketing campaign budget. Like mm-hmm. I don't do anything crazy or fancy. Like we put small decals on our trucks. Uh, they don't even have phone numbers on them. I don't want to say I want to go out of the way to be hard to reach, but we're, we are so busy and I've been around for 16 years now. We're known. So I like to go about it that way. And the people that uh, get a hold of me for project now are referred uh, anyways. So it's a different niche, but I've worked my way up to that. But mm-hmm. I, I would say that logos, yeah, on trucks, it's just going crazy is not my style. It's not the way I've marketed myself. Yep. But I think that is a huge thing. When people see your trucks driving around, people see your your logos. Um they're going to recognize and remember it. Everyone knows the McDonald's logo, right? It's yeah. like, it burns in your memory. If you keep seeing that, um, it's the top of mind. Uh, same thing with social media, right? If you're on there every day and people see you, when they think, I want to do some work, you're the first person they think of because you're top of mind, right? Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you because they say that if you are booked out absolutely solid, that you're charging too too little. Um, I, I think a lot of people in business, when they first get going, they open up to clients about, yeah, I'm just getting going. I'm just getting started. And oftentimes they get haggled on their price. They ultimately come in a lot cheaper and people take advantage of that. How can, I mean, how, how can you prevent that? It's a fact though. Like, um, when you're hungry, right? Like when I, I was in the same field as you were, man, like strictly framing, forming contract yeah. for a long time. And then. I developed into a general contractor. Um, people aren't going to like be like, hey, I got a 7,000 square foot house. I want you to build from the ground up. Like that's not going to be your first job. Not at all. You're going to have to do some bathrooms, some kitchens, and some decks. Like you you start small. So when you're hungry, you go out there and you try to do things for a bit cheaper, right? And there's always going to be that guy. And that's where that comes back in to know your value, right? You, I can't compare compete anymore now that I have office staff, trucks, uh, overhead like that. I can't compete with the guy I used to be five years ago that was running around from site to site, performing work, doing estimates, ordering materials. 
uh, now I've, there's too many people in play, right? So it just comes down to knowing your, knowing your numbers, right? There's a, there's a margin that you should know, uh, and it's calculated everything from your truck payments to your staff, um, costs, your insurances, everything, all those numbers should add up. You can look at, uh, your overall, what you're planning per year and you'll know what your percentage markups need to be. Mm. You know, I, I love that you bring that up. I, I love real estate as well. And I'm all for creative deals, flipping homes, things like that. And all too often I hear of people forcing deals. They change the numbers so they work. They look like they're great, but really they don't work. And I, I think that's a problem a lot of people have is they'll, they'll take projects at a loss just where they're working. But it's the same thing with real estate. The numbers didn't work in the beginning. You're making them work and you're going to lose your ass. Everybody's been there though. When you need to work, you need to work, right? Yeah. So with the hungrier people are, they're going to go for those jobs. And that's why I like to say, and I don't mean to say this to be cocky or arrogant, but there is always someone that will do it for cheaper. Yeah. They're and like I said, I was that guy myself five years ago would have done it for cheaper. Because how long were you in business before you got that mentality of elevating yourself, being this premier builder? And stopping that. I've always tried to in every in every sector of business that I've been in, I always presented myself the same way. I always go on to site and I'll say the same thing to anyone that works for me, anyone that steps on my site. Just be a pleasure to be around and work with. Right? No space anymore for for finger pointing or yelling at people and not getting along, right? It's yeah. uh there's no need for it and there's no place for it. Just be responsive, be a pleasure to have, be around, and people will be attracted to you. You do good work too, you're, you're set, right? So TJ, I, I got a question. You mentioned, we had a phone call the other day and I was kind of asking you about this, um, but you mentioned something interesting. You said, make sure you qualify your clients, not just them qualifying you. Tell me a little bit more, or us a little bit more about what you mean by this. And how do you go about it? This is um, something that I've uh, noticed too. When I was hungry again, I would go in. If it's a job, I want to bid on it, whatever it may be. Now, as I realize, again, seeing what my value is and where I fit in the industry, I know I'm not like a low-end builder. I, I know I'm not a super high-end builder yet, but I know I'm in that middle to middle upper range, right? So if I walk in to um, a certain project and the clients are telling me what kind of finishes they want and it's just, it's not really my ball game, I might not go after that job as hard. And I might even mm -hmm. politely say, you know what, I I think I might have a guy for you. And I do have a, a bunch of guys in my pocket that are in a spot I was five years ago that are looking for this work. And I know it's going to be a better fit for them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it just, it doesn't always work. Um, every job isn't for you. Every client's not for you. Right? I like that. How often are you bringing up the budget conversation early on in these screenings? You know what? I don't like to do that first uh, visit. I do it probably second after yeah. I've sent them something. I just feel like that's digging too much on an initial meeting when I say, what's your budget? It, and then they feel like I'm going to build my quote to their max budget. Your quote works out to a thousand under their budget. Yeah. Thinking, wow, this guy really just did a bit. Don't tell me 
we'll go through everything. I'll give you an uh, an initial uh, basic ballpark cost and timeline, and then we can go from there. And it helps on two things. Um, a, they just won't call back because <laughs> they had no idea what a thing what it costs. Or B, um, it's detailed enough and you've been thorough enough with that budget cost because we do it so often that um, they basically just want to move forward. It eliminates a ton of back and forth in the beginning. TJ, do you think that's on both sides of the equation of if first meeting either party, you uh, or the client is already talking about price, do you feel like that's kind of like a red flag because... Obviously, if they bring it up in the first meeting, they could be a lot more price-driven versus uh, value-driven. So uh, how do you balance, or, or quality-driven, yeah, like, like what Matt said. Uh, right. How do you... When it comes down to it, like, sure, I want a Lamborghini, but I can afford a Honda. Price matters 100% first, right? So you've got to be able to mesh that quality with the price. Mm. And that's why I'm saying every client might not be to your value. Because my my uh, flooring installers are going to be a bit more expensive than another guy's would because they don't make errors. And if they do, we fix them, right? Whereas you'll see that contractor that comes in 30% cheaper, the job's not going to look like mine. Yeah. I, I can nearly get it. That fact, right? So, yeah, it... Um, basically comes comes down to that their value is going to be number one um i don't think it's a red flag personally if they start talking budget um maybe it's the fact that i come on to site typically as a referred contractor and they have a comfort with me possibly um but yeah we a budget's always good to have in mind but if if they're asking for ballpark prices on the spot, I also don't give that for these larger jobs or renovations because uh, it's it's either going to be way high or way low. You're never going to see the ballpark price. That's what it ends up being. No, right? nothing ever nothing ever works that way. But, net, either way you look at it, I never give a ballpark price on this. Oh yeah, I'll I'll say wait it wait a few days and I'll send you something on paper, and uh, then we can talk about that because even if they say they won't hold you to it. They will. <laughs> oh, that, that man! Yeah. What happened to that pricing of two hundred and ten? Why are we at two seventy yeah. now? Yeah. Um, I'm curious how big presentation is for you, as far as presenting. Uh, I, I've had invoices and estimates and stuff come through on paper, scribbled. Oh, they look like crap. How big are you on presentation? Huge, huge. But I do think. The most detail, the more detailed you can be, the better. You got to thank your contractor, their client. They might don't, they might not even know what a true bite for is. Yeah. Um, be as blatantly obvious on everything as you can be. If you send out a quote and they don't even have to ask a question, you probably put enough detail in there, right? The more as you tell, the better. This is where things get confusing because. I, I agree with what you're saying. You want to put enough info that they understand everything from start to finish, what's included, what's excluded, how it's going to be done, everything. I've had other people tell me, put as little detail as possible, cover your own ass, but then put a price. So what what I'm getting at is, and what, what they were referring to is line item breakdowns with prices. I've, I've had people say, okay, well, it says here demolition's 500. Can I demo it myself and take that off? 
That's for like 30%, 40% of the clients I deal with. They all ask that question. Really? <laughs> I'm just so joking, are, but I get that's a that is a question where people are trying to save some money. Are you putting line item breakdowns with prices or are you just putting I mean, line items with a single price at the bottom? Like demo is a, a breakdown cost. Um, okay. General conditions would be a breakdown cost. Project management, site yeah. toilets, bins, um, framing cost, forming cost. I separated out that way, right? Okay. Um, otherwise, where did you, how did you get that? And exactly, right? So, but again, I feel like I often will lose jobs because I'm too thorough. Yeah. Those are probably that's, ones that's that okay. uh, you don't need to be servicing. Yeah, you don't want those anyway. No, because I know if I don't do that, I'm going to get asked to do that right away after they see that final number. How did you come to this final number? Can you break it out? <laughs> I think they're going to ask you. So why just do it the first time, right? So I, I, I had, TJ, you and I were chatting on the phone and I, you know, we kind of discussed this, but I wanted you to elaborate on it just a little bit more. And I, I know we got to wrap up here in a couple minutes because we're trying to keep this a, a fast episode. But if you're sending out estimates, especially if you don't have this referral engine or just this brand equity within your market, if you're sending out es estimates, should you get in front of the client so there's an opportunity to present your value in this overall presentation like we just chatted about? Because if you're kind of just sending a you know, faceless estimate, maybe you're not going to be able to communicate the quality and value that you stand by. You mean like a site meeting? Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, I personally um, love presenting myself in person, at least for the initial meeting. Someone sends me some plans over online um, to price it. Sure, I can do that. It's very impersonable. And I just feel like my value is in the face-to-face -face contact and that's where I provide value I feel like so I always if it's a job that I'm trying to chase I will always make sure I meet on site for that and then when I send the estimate then we go from there and we'll usually do it um, uh, zoom call to review the estimate if we're moving forward but initially if I'm not considered that first visit was the last visit mm -hmm. anyways, right? Yeah. So, but that comes along with knowing your pre, um, knowing your clients that you're going to see, interviewing them. Because if I'm going to put four hours into an estimate, I would have had to got a good feeling from that interview that they're at least considering me. I, I can sense when I've got tire kickers, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The fly stoppers, yeah. Yeah. Or just a waste of time. I've had people, you'll go out and say, oh, I'm just doing my due diligence. I'm getting four prices. And I don't want to be, again, arrogant or anything like that, but that's not the job for me. No, you want people that are coming to you for that quality, for that value, what you bring to the table. Yeah. So I, I sometimes I'll say that, or I'll just put a little, an estimate that's not as thorough as yeah. it would be to chase a job, right? You know, TJ, I love that this whole episode's based around, I know it's quick, but I love that this whole episode's based around value. I've talked about it a bit more, and I don't, I don't know if you heard it, but um, I had a project not too long ago. Um, I work with a lot of builders um, since we're subcontracting framing, and I had this builder reach out to me. The project wasn't starting that quick. It was a ways out, and he, he called me and asked me after my initial price. He's like, is there any wiggle room in this? I was like, no, that, that's where we're at. He's like, okay, sounds good. He called me again a week later. Any wiggle room? Nope. 
we're we're good where we're at. Like, I don't need it that bad. He calls me back and he's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know, um, your competitor dropped their price around 30, 40%. And he's all, you guys stuck where you were at? He's all, I don't want to know the kind of work that he would do. He's all, cheers. So I got it for 30 to 40% higher than what competition was bidding at because I don't care to budge. I know what it's going to take to do it. I know what it's going to take to, we're, we're cleaning every single Friday, making that place spotless. Yeah. We, we put in the hours and make sure that it, it's presentable. I don't, I don't want to know what it would look like if you were doing it for 30, 40% less. So, and it would be, and that's why you know your value. You know what yeah. you bring to the table and you're confident about that. New guys in the industry maybe don't and they need, they need the work, right? To keep food on the table. Whereas you get to a point where that doesn't make sense. You need to run a profitable business, right? When you're first getting going, what can you do as far as knowing whether you're underpriced or overpriced? If you get every single job, you're probably underpriced, right? Boom. Makes sense. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. So basically, TJ, I, I'm going to recap, but I, I have my little notepad down here. But recapping the six things that you can do to show your value over just price. Number one, and these are all from what I've heard from you today, but number one is communicate well, communicate often. Two, be responsive. If they call, answer and take an initiative. Don't just wait for them to reach out. Three, be organized. Get your paperwork together. Yeah. Four, show up to the meeting on time. Yeah. Should be pretty easy. Five, be confident in your work, but don't be cocky or arrogant. Yeah. And the last one is look the part. Show up, be professional, hold yourself well, ask good questions, and maybe even a little bit bonus one, we could say seven is make sure you're qualifying them just as much as they're qualifying you. Yeah, that's it. That's a big one that you overlook in the early stages. But I feel like it's it's very, uh, it saves a lot of time in the back end, right? I hear you guys. Guys, there's always going to be someone that's going to do it cheaper than you, but if you service someone properly, they're going to see the value in you. Oh.